Some goal for today uh, is, is simply this, um, that for the glory of God and for the sake of those who are watching me, and I'm talking about me personally here because it's my personal goal, for the glory of God, for the sake of those who are watching me, that I will run my race well, fixing my eyes on Jesus, all eyes on Jesus. All right. Um, before I get going here, I just want to say today is a family Sunday. This is a vision of, of Dave and Jennifer to uh, once in a while bring families together in worship. So we're going to have the kids with us today. If you're new here, um, then typically the kids get dropped off on the way in and they have their own program. And so it's good to have the kids with us this morning. Thanks, kids, for your part in all of this. Anybody here from out of town this morning? All right, I know. Yeah? All right. <laughs> what are you doing raising your hand? Where are you from? Oh, Don. That's Don back there. Okay, yeah. Duh. Okay. Hone in there. Uh, Spokes from Greeley. Uh, in fact, I might talk about your kids today. Who knows? We'll see how I do. Where are you guys from? Loveland? Excellent. Good. Indianapolis. All right. Anybody want to uh, go beyond Indianapolis? <laughs> Where are you guys from? Colby, all right, welcome today. Good to have you all with us this morning. It's a good place. It's a good body of believers, and we welcome you here today. Leadership. Talking about leadership, and uh, today, you know, I think we all need to ask the question, who are you following? And if you're following anyone, are you following anyone of lasting significance? Because today may be your day to surrender leadership of your life to Jesus Christ. Let God speak that into your word because we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've gone our own independent way. When things go bad, we should love to blame God. But the reality is we're apart from this blessing. Today may be your day to come home and say, I want to learn to walk with my Father who created me. I want him to be the Lord of my life. But leadership is, is necessary. We typically think of leaders as those who dream big dreams. We tend to think of leaders as those who are visionaries, those who face the toughest questions. We think of leaders as those who face the biggest challenges. Leaders uh, deal with both risk and exhilaration at the same time. You can't seem to have one without the other. Risk has a way of, of breeding exhilaration. It's the leader who's up, out front. Hopefully, that leader knows who he's following. And because he knows who he's following, he knows where he's going. But he also has to hail the charge and, and point the way for those who are following them, challenging and motivating every step along the way. Even a pack of Eskimo dogs, when hitched to a sled, needs a good dog out in front. The main difference between the dog that leads and those dogs that are following is the view. And I think we've all seen the bumper sticker, if you ain't the lead dog, then the scenery never changes. <laughs> and that's the reality. It took some of you a while to think about that one. Now, <clears throat> Excuse me. I've given you my personal goal 
But my hope for all of us is that we will recognize the opportunities that we have in front of us. That we will recognize that there are those who follow us, that we are leading, and in that, that we will go forward from here leading with greater resolve and greater intentionality. We may not all lead tens. We may not all lead fifties. We may not all lead hundreds or thousands. But we all do lead at some level. As a young developing leader, maybe about 19 years old, the very first definition of leadership to grab me is this. Leadership equals risk. And, and leadership is, is risk. <clears throat> Not many of us want to be considered leaders because maybe we feel inadequate. Maybe we're afraid of, of failing. Maybe we'd rather someone else have to own up to that responsibility. Maybe if, if something goes wrong, it's nice to have somebody else be the fall guy, you know, kind of like we'd rather be able to, to blame than to, to be blamed. Therefore, leadership isn't for cowards. Leadership isn't for the faint-hearted. It's, it's a risk. It's a risk that if you fail, you will fail for others to see. You know, early on in ministry, people would talk about what a holy man of God I was. And, you know, there was a degree to which I kind of liked hearing that. But then one day it, it occurred to me, hold on a minute, I'm not that holy. And what happened was I started getting the impression that I was being lifted up just high enough above the crowd so people could see me if I failed. Or, or maybe lifted up just high enough above the crowd so people could get a clean shot at me. You know, take that guy out. And I wanted out. I didn't like it very well. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction. A, hard, a haughty spirit before a fall. There is liability in being a leader. Today, I hold on to verses like Proverbs 19.10. And if you'll recall, or Proverbs 9.10, excuse me, if you'll recall that verse, this is the verse that I gave you at the beginning of the study when I said this is the key to understanding Proverbs. In fact, why don't you read it with me? Let's read it together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So it's, it's verses like this that, that keep me in check because I can only lead well to the degree that I'm keeping my Heavenly Father in proper perspective. I can only lead well if I'm following Him. And I love verses like what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, when he said, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. All eyes on Jesus. Please, you can follow me, but only to the, to the degree that it helps you to get your eyes on Christ. And if, if somewhere along the way, my eyes are off Christ, then you just keep following Christ. Okay, at that point, you take your eyes off me. And since leadership is a risk, I think we need to learn to be able to laugh at ourselves. Second Corinthians 12, starting with verse 7, says this, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, 
For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And I read that and I say, Yea, God, the less perfect I am as a leader, the greater God's opportunity to show his mighty hand. That makes me a really good opportunity. Huh? In fact, here's what I want you to do. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, you're a really good opportunity. <laughs> See, I'm just a weak vessel in the hand of a mighty God. I will never forget what I consider to have been one of the greatest high school youth retreats that I ever had the opportunity to lead. We had maybe 12 or so bands and suburbans. We were heading up to Beaver Meadows at Red Feather Lakes. And uh, man, down in Greeley, people in that church were, were so fast to loan their suburbans and loan their bands that we could get a caravan to just take a bunch of kids. And, and at that time, I guess we weren't so concerned about liabilities, right? And, and here's kind of a liability <laughs> because I asked a buddy of mine that I knew hated to, to drive the lead vehicle if he would lead the way to get us up to this retreat. And, and sure enough, uh, we missed the turn and we found ourselves on a very narrow dirt road and decided we better turn around. So now we have to manipulate all these bands, get them turned around this narrow road. And a band fell into a culvert. It was just leaning over. Uh, it looked like it was going to tip completely over. Almost immediately, a whole bunch of those kids, man, farm kids, kids that have been out in the country, they just surrounded that band. They held it up while the kids inside got out of that thing, right? Girls were screaming and crying. People are praying. It was exciting, I have to say. <laughs> I like this, this kind of stuff. And those students continued to, to balance that van there in that culvert until together with the driver, we were able to work it back onto the road and, and, and be on our way. Talk about a great icebreaker for an event. Let, let me tell you, those teens accomplished something really amazing together that God would use to set the tone to an, an amazing weekend. Many of those kids will never forget that retreat. Uh, they, they experienced a challenge that raised the bar. Uh, they, they all had a story to tell. <laughs> In fact, when I got back to the office on Monday, I was processing this thing, and I thought, what a great way to start an event. How can I plan, you know, tragedy into everything that I do? <laughs> Give these kids something to work through. Haven't figured that part out yet, but uh, it's a nice thought, you know. <laughs> Give them something to get the blood going. Leadership is a risk. But here's the deal. My buddy's worst fear in driving a lead vehicle had become reality, but God used that weekend in amazing ways. In our weakness. He is made strong. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in a man's heart. I know it says person's heart. That's the neutered NIV. I still like English the way I learned it. Many are the plans in a man's heart, in a leader's heart. But it's the Lord's purposes that prevail. And I say, so be it. You are a great opportunity. You better know it. You better hear it. The application here, leadership is about putting it on the line for God's purposes. So leadership is a risk. 
The next definition of leadership that I learned uh, just came a few years later when I was in ministry uh, professionally, and I heard this, leadership is influence. All right, a couple of Proverbs here, Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads or influences them astray. How about Proverbs 13, 20? Walk with, or say, be influenced by the wise and become wise, for the companion of fools suffers harm. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And the more you study leadership, the more you study influence, the more you will recognize that the lowest level of leadership is position. You can have a high-ranking position and not have much influence because somewhere along the way, you've lost respect. Back in 1937, the number one fiction bestseller was Margaret Mitchell's God with the Wind. That same year, the number one nonfiction was Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends ad. What's the rest? Influence people. It's a great, enduring classic, still influencing leaders today. But the number one book of all times on leadership is the book we're studying right now. It's the book of Proverbs, given to us by the Lord through this man, Solomon. You don't have to read into it very far to find verses like Proverbs 1.10. In fact, let's read it together. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they try to influence you toward foolishness, don't give in to them. Webster defines influence this way. The power to change or affect someone or something. The power to cause change without directly forcing them to happen. A person or thing that affects someone or something in an important way. Well, how about this? Influence the power to affect change. And we just imagine that we have that power, the power to affect change. In fact, studies have shown that the, the, the most introverted among us influences at least five people on a regular basis, whether we recognize it or not. Someone has well said, let no man imagine he has no influence. So if leadership is influence, guess what? That makes all of us leaders. Whether you lead a few or whether you lead many, you are an influencer. And in that, someone has said, a kind person increases the value of every person he influences in any way. If you were to divide up a 24-hour day, you could say that you spend about eight hours of your day sleeping. Maybe you spend about eight hours of your day with, with family. Maybe you spend about eight hours of your day at work, which means two-thirds of the average day you are influencing somebody. But here's the big question. What is it that you're influencing them toward? And is what you're influencing them toward anything of lasting significance? You may not know it, but right now the Stanley Hotel 
is the boasting the largest whiskey collection west of the Mississippi River. Yeah, recently we had a group of guys move into our, our neighborhood, caused quite a buzz in, in our neighborhood, I have to say. I understand that they moved here to just attend bar for the Stanley Hotel. So the other day I was out on a walk and I ran across a couple of these guys. We exchanged names and I couldn't believe how quickly this guy got to his big question. He said, do you like whiskey? Yeah, just, I mean, really fast. And, and I submit to you that this guy, whether you think it's right or wrong, is an advocate of whiskey. He's excited about whiskey. He's proud of whiskey. Therefore, he's whiskey's influencer. You got to know that. You got to understand it. And his message might go something like this. Whiskey is the cure to what ails you. Might be his message, right? <clears throat> now, you may not like that statement. You may be thinking right now, what's the preacher doing up there? Talking about whiskey, particularly on a, on a family day, you know? What is this? Can we have some ratings around this place? But I think it's valuable because it poses questions like these. To what is it that you're influencing people? What is it? Is your mission nobler than this man, more noble than this man that I met on the way? And if so, are you as bold as this guy that I met on the path? I mean, it's, it's questions like these that God ultimately used to lead me to putting faith in Jesus Christ. I, I, think, I think it happened sometime when I was maybe 16 years of age. And I started getting into all kinds of craziness and, and doing my thing and, and going through that rebellious stage. And it was fine. Until one day, my childhood best buddy asked me to introduce him to some of the crazy stuff that I was doing. And it's like, hold on a minute. I don't like this. It's one thing for me to choose to be an idiot, but it's another thing to drag somebody else into my stupidity, right? Yeah. And, and so I started looking around, asking myself, what are other students influencing people to, toward? What, what kind of impact are they happy, ha having? Will what I'm living for count in the end? Will I influence people to things that are good and lovely and excellent? Will I be like the righteous man we just read about in Proverbs 12, 26? Or will I be like the, the wicked man who leads others astray? Will I be the wise man that we read about a moment ago in Proverbs 13, 20, who influences others in the way of wisdom? Or will I be the guy who leads friends into harm's way? And I submit to you this morning, not as a pastor, but, but as a friend, that the only things worth influencing people toward, especially when it comes to lasting things, are the things of God. Because only God is good, and everything else is detached from that which is, with that which is excellent. In fact, here's a proverb that has to be repeated twice in the book of Proverbs for a reason. It's found in both Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25. Look at it. There is a way that seems right to a man. I mean, what does that mean? Could it mean it's popular? Uh, could, could it mean it's cool? Could it mean that it's, it's legal? Could it mean that it provides some kind of escape or allows you to veg? Could it be that it feels good? Or could you say everybody's doing it? All these things. There is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end is the way of death. See, it doesn't lead to God who is light. It leads somewhere else. 
That's what this proverb is talking about. Proverbs 14, 2. Those who follow the right path, fear the Lord, keep him in proper place, respect him. Those who take the wrong path, despise him. How about Proverbs 11.30? We've been seeing this a few times along the way. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. And just get the picture. Branches growing out, fruit coming out. There's beautiful fruit, right? Yeah. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. And the application here is that the noblest thing you can ever influence another toward is the Lord. Knowing the Lord. All else is temporary. And, and, and by the way, I hope you notice that in these Proverbs on influence, they're asking the question, who are you following? Remember, Proverbs is like a spiritual GPS that forces you to consider where you are in order that can help you get where you need to get. Right? So, so what's happening here is asking, who are you following? Follow the Lord, yes, but we need some others to follow along the way. For example, Proverbs 18.24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 15.22, plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they will succeed. So, number one, leadership is what? Yeah, good job. Number two, leadership is what? Influence. We're all influencers. Well, there's a third one. And that is leadership equals vision. Proverbs 29, 18, the first part of the verse from the King James Bible. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Same verse from the NIV. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. In other words, if people don't have direction, sheer madness will result. Vision then becomes a type of drug that helps us to avoid destructive detours along the way. Keeps us out of the ditch. Keeps us out of the out of the culvert, right? Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. I've heard it said that to be a politician, you have to be you have to have a really big ego. What do you think? To, to be a public figure, you have to have a really big ego, right? Run for public office, really big deal. And if that's true, then let me just go on record to say that's tragic and perhaps that's wrong as well with leadership today. Wouldn't it be better to say to run for public office, what you need is a vision that's bigger than yourself and a vision that's grounded in truth. Because ego says, look at me, aren't I something? While vision is a compass that says, this is the way. Walk here. Winston Churchill said, The nation will find it very hard to look up to the leaders who are keeping their ears to the ground. Max Dupree, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. The last is to say thank you and in between to serve. In fact, 
I was just now redundant in one of my statements because to understand this word about vision is to understand that vision has to do with truth. It's about this. It's about knowing where you're going and taking others with you. In fact, it's about knowing truth and making truth known. And if you understand truth, then you understand truth is God. So it's this vision of God, and God is bigger than you, who is leading you on the road of truth, so that you can say leadership, visionary leadership at its best, is literally about knowing God and making God known. I want to invite our worship team to come up right now as I proceed. But this is the reason we have songs like Be Thou My Vision. It's about focusing on Jesus. It's about all eyes on Jesus. It's about fixing your sights on Jesus because he's your compass. He's your GPS. He helps you to know where you're going so that you can live your life well. In fact, let me give you this little experiment. The next time you find yourself in a crowd of people trying to move forward, look up to the sky and point and ask, what's that? <laughs> and you will be amazed how many heads turn to see what in the world you're talking about. You see, leadership is pointing the way. You know where you're going and you're taking others with you. Be thou my vision. O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save as thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence in my life. What are you about? What do you represent? You were created to be this big green arrow that says, God's alive. He's making a difference in the lives of anyone who will put their trust in him. And right now, today, 
thinking about influence, thinking about leadership, this might be the day to say, I need to change focus. I'm like the sheep that has gone astray, and I need to get my sights back on my God. I need Him to be my leader, because I need to know that the people who are following me know the way to go. I want to be that arrow. And so today may be your day to put your faith in the Lord. And if that defines you, you say, Lord, I just see today that I'm, I'm kind of floundering. I have no real direction. Or the thing that I'm influencing others toward is like insignificant in the bad scheme of things. And I want to be about you. Well, to get there, you have to know him first. Today is your day to say, I surrender. My eyes are on you. Starting now. Lord, you come in. You take the throne of my life. You make me the person that you want me to. I'm going to invite uh, my prayer partners, our prayer partners, to make their way over here in the corner. And if God is prompting you, let this be your moment. Let this be your moment. You know, right there in your seat, there's no reason why you can't just say, Lord, I'm yours. But if you need some support, come. If you need prayer for anything, come, okay? Maybe this is your day to give your life to the Lord. They'd be glad to pray. They'd be glad to leave you alone. They'd just be glad to give you a place you're not. Let's continue this song. Just like God will give you life. my compassion, my love for the Just in this tumble war right now. 
And it's like, you need to move, but you're not sure you should, or how will I reconnect with the animal? Don't, don't wait, okay? And as I bless you and dismiss you, make your way over here. This guy's about to talk to you and pray.